and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and saith thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. As I was asked also by Pastor Scott to cover us in prayer. If you would bow, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Eternal and everlasting God, our Father, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one in whom we live and we move and have our being. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all of the earth. Father, as Isaiah said, and we concur, your wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Lord, we bow our heads to the earth from whence we were taken, asking God that you would bestow a blessing upon us now. In doing so, Lord, we pray, God, that you would prepare the heart of this preacher, Pastor Lloyd Scott, to preach the word uncompromisingly, with clarity, boldness, to the end that the youngest child would hear understand, and even ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, hear the cry of thy people. You know the hurt, the pains, and the troubles that we face daily. And we're trusting you, God, sovereign one, to hear and answer and meet every need. Now, Lord, be magnified in this preacher. Be glorified through him. And in the end, be satisfied with him, allowing the words of his mouth and the meditations of his heart to be acceptable in thy sight. And Lord, we dare not close this prayer without asking forgiveness for, of sin. Have mercy upon us according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out all of our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly, thoroughly of our iniquities and cleanse us of all of our sins. For we acknowledge our transgressions, and our sins are ever before us. Have mercy now, Lord. As you speak, have mercy and have your way. Get the glory out of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. As many Pearl would say, Heidi, it is my distinct pleasure to stand again in this sacred place to my friend and my brother, Dr. Charles Hunt. Uh, 
jewel to the kingdom of God. You've been a blessing to many, and may the Lord keep you and let his face shine upon you and give you peace and pizza. <laughs> Dr. Ellis has blessed us tonight. When he finished preaching, I asked Dr. Hunt, in our church we have ushers, and one of the tasks they have is when folks shout, they come grab you and pack you out. After hearing that sermon, I was ready to go home, you know, <laughs> with this little popcorn sermon I have tonight. But, you know, Ursus, y'all get ready. It won't be long. Just come get me feet first and out that door. God bless you guys. You are awesome. You're not performers. You are praisers. And I thank God for the testimonies have been a blessing to me, and uh, may you continue this great work. My friend and brother, Pastor Alan Randall, is mighty big of a person to drive all the way from South Louisiana and not be on program. <laughs> it's a mighty big heart, so thank you. And all right. The love of my life is here. Hope is here tonight. Again, would you stand so that... Uh, um, It was in March of 1975 that uh, I preached at the Blue Ridge Baptist Church a youth day, Big Hair Day Afro, and uh, I was working the Afro, I was working the wig. And you know you have these false sense of accomplishment. I thought I had did something. And uh, about four days later I received a call and it was Hope. And she said to me, your sermon was dull. <laughs> <laughs> and so now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> Pastor's read the text. I want to speak from this subject tonight. You have options. You have options. This is the story of a woman who evidently has become sick and tired of being sick and tired. Bearing a 12-year-old issue and having to deal with isolation and separation, desertion, for 12 years, she's not touched anyone and no one has touched her. She has not been to any fellowship. She's not been invited to any circle meeting. 
she's a woman that's tired of being sick and tired. On December 7th, 1996, at the Trans World Dome in St. Louis, Missouri, they had the first inaugural Big 12 championship called the Dr. Pepper Big 12 championship. The North Division representative was the two-time defending national champion, Nebraska Cornhucker. Corn Huskers. They had won 33 straight. They were undefeated in their third year. The South Division was an unranked team from this area known as the Texas Longhorns. Mediocre. Their record was only eight and five, they were the South Division representative. They were unranked. On the day before, ESPN News were interviewing players. They had a quarterback from Beaumont, Texas. His name was James Brown. Not to say it loud, James Brown. You'll get that on the way home. <laughs> James Brown was the quarterback for the University of Texas, and while they were interviewing him, they, they asked him the question, Nebraska has picked a win by over two touchdowns. So they said to him, how many points do you think Texas will lose by? James Brown looked at them and said this emphatically, we're going to win the game. Of course, going against the number three team in the nation for that year and having won two national championships, How dare he be so brash and cocky and arrogant? The news media ate him up. They spit him out. They indicted him for saying he, they were going to win the game. It also incited Nebraska. They put the news captions up over their lockers and pictures of James Brown with X's on it. They were resolved that his prediction would not be true. It says a word about somebody that's here tonight. You're breathing, but ashes has been set over you. Someone is waiting to do a committal and to render these faithful words, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. They're saying they've written your eulogy, and they're declaring, here lies 
but you ought to say, excuse me, <clears throat> I beg your pardon. Your testimony is, here lives. Now, if I was in the black church, they'd be getting with this. Y'all just looking at me going, duh. They have declared that he, that he was a, that this, that he was a victim. When he was declaring that we are victors. And the question is, whose report will you believe? Is there someone here tonight that's sick and tired of being sick and tired? And you, you want to have a Popeye the Sailor moment. I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I go there. I have grandbabies. They don't know who Popeye is, but I'm... I, I have fire stick and all that kind of stuff, so I'm hooking them up with Popeye the Sailor. And you know what I love about Popeye? Popeye had some threshold limits. He would get to a place where he would say with broken English, I have taken all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. Is there someone here tonight? Life has wrote you off, but you're still here. The world is saying resign, but you have resolve. The world is saying recline in it, but I say you can rise from it. You can do, you have options, you can choose to do let me put it this way. What happens to you is 5% of life. How you respond is the greater measure for life. Can I give you some practical pointers? When the world is trying to write you off, Contend for a chance to change. Don't just accept it. Contend for a chance to change. Uh, my mother loved Jiffy peanut butter. And I am the lesser child of 12 children. My mom and them didn't have no TV. <laughs> Being the baby, pray for me, Mark. Pray for me, pray for me. Being the baby of 12, the lesser, spoiled, ruined, whatever, that was me. Did, didn't, didn't have to fight because I had 11 sisters and brothers, so nothing was expected of me being the lesser child. My mother loved Jiffy peanut butter. 
And one day she was struggling to open the peanut butter and my two brothers who are big and robust, my brother Tyree grabs the peanut butter and he's working the jar but it would not open. My brother Dwight, who's the biggest of us, grabs the jar of peanut butter and he's turning and he's twisting and he's twi twisting and nothing is happening. And so I say, can I try? <laughs> they laugh me to scorn. The lesser, the baby, the runt, maybe 130 pounds soaking wet, but I wanted to try. And so my brother gave me the jaw of Jiffy, and I held it. And I opened it. I wish I had a witness here. It was not my strength that opened it. It was my fortitude that said, if you give me a chance. I think that's what David said when he went to meet his brothers when they were in battle with Philistia. Are you, is that not a cause? I don't want any unfair advantage. All I want is an even chance. Do y'all hear me? Contend for a chance for change. Confirm your confidence in Christ. Uh, are y'all with me? You can't, but he can. It's not your strength, but it's his strength. It's not your ability, but it is what God pours upon you. You can do all things through Christ Jesus. And here is a third practical pointer. Cancel the constraints of can't. I have grandbabies. I've got one, he's smart as a whip, but he's lazy as he can be. <laughs> and he's always saying what he can't do. And I try to pass on to him that wisdom I got from my daddy, uh, who didn't make it, he only made it to the fourth grade, but he's the smartest man I know. He said, boy, can't died a long time ago. Are y'all with me? There is, there is only one time Jesus says you can't do something. And I think he put it in the context of this. Without me, you can do nothing. But with me, all things are possible. In the text, chapter 5 of Mark, uh, you find Jesus dealing with situations. In verses 1 through 20, Jesus deals with demons and deprivation. There's a brother that has, had, has, has broken loose from the restraints of those who would try to help him. And he takes residence 
in a graveyard. He, he, he's streaking in the graveyard. He's cutting himself. He's hurting himself. He's crying from within, but he really don't know what his real issue is. He's got so many demons in him. Are you with me now? That he's struggling with, with deprivation that seeks to take your identity and your purpose and your cause for living in this world. He's in a graveyard. It would have been easy to say ashes over this situation because, you know, we have a lot of tolerance for a lot of things, but I have a very low tolerance for crazy folk. Y'all pray for I'm doing the best I can, but. And Jesus shows up and he produces wholeness in a brother in so much, he goes home, he left home shenane crazy, and he shows up, and the book said he's in his right mind. Are y'all with me now? Now, that ought to be a place for a shout right there that, that, that lets you know that Jesus can straighten out thinking. Are y'all with me? In verses 21 and 20 through 23, verses 35 through 43, Jesus will deal with death and devastation. There is a ruler who has come to him and has asked Jesus to, I need you to come to my house and lay hands on my daughter, for she is sick. She's dying. And while he's going there, uh, he's interrupted by this woman. And when he completes his task with this woman that we're going to talk about, the, the father gets the word that his daughter is dead. And so now they want to stop the procession and dismiss themselves because it's too late. His daughter is dead. Death and devastation. I got some good news for you. The God we serve works on both sides of no code. Are y'all with me? I, if I was back across the track, I would hear some old brother say, you, he speaks and man will lay down and die. And he speaks and that same man will get up and live again. And in the text tonight, Jesus is dealing with disease and desperation. I got a full speed. And how long the sermon is is really based on you. So if y'all want to get out of here for the, for the, for the, for the rooster crow, y'all got to get with me tonight, all right? First thing that we see in the text in verses 25, 26, this woman will teach us tonight that you have options. First thing we see in this text is her frustration over her condition. Her frustration over her condition. 
Verse 25 says she had a bloody issue for 12 years. Verse 26 says that everything she had, she had spent it. Going from specialist to specialist and doctor to doctor, from quack to quack. And maybe she went to Louisiana to get a foot. I don't know. Verse 26b says that she was no better, but she grew worse. Verse 25, her frustration over her condition, she was diseased. She had a bloody flow. Brothers, it's enough to deal with it once a month. But she's been bleeding for 12 years. You can't touch anybody. No one can touch you. She can't go to fellowship. She can't go to the temple. She has to live isolated and insulated. She's miserable. She was diseased. She suffered silently. Beyond the, the smile, the front that we present, may I ask the question, how many of you will be real to me, be real in this place, and say to yourself, I'm tired of suffering silently. She had a disease, a dis-ease, a disease, a bloody flow. She was destitute. She had spent all. She didn't have Obamacare. She didn't have Medicare. Are y'all with me? She had no aid. She had no more resources. She had spent all. Can I help somebody here tonight? God can do one of two things. He can take what you have from you, or he can take you from what you have. Are y'all with me? There's some things medicine can't do. There's some things money can't do. Are y'all feeling me here tonight? And the truth is that what she had had been separated because she didn't have healing in her life. She was destitute. She was desperate. No better, but worse. Her frustration over her condition. Verse 27 and 28, we see her motivation for change. Verse 27, eight, can I shout you? See if, I'm going to see if you're going to pass the test. She heard about Jesus. Do we need to call the undertaker? That's a good place for a shout right there. She heard about Jesus. 
Are y'all with me? She came to the press, touched his garment. And then verse 28, she said, if I could but touch the hem of his garment. She was motivated by what she heard. In Woodland Hills, I asked a question tonight. Do we share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Y'all ain't hearing me. When is the last time you shared a message of hope and inspiration? You do know it's all about him. Are y'all with me? She heard about Jesus, so if she heard something, that means that evidently somebody experienced and somebody shared what he did. Are y'all with me? Can I pause for a minute and put my little what you need to hear from me about Jesus? Mark Umble and I live in that area where Harvey came up and parked on our city. And in less than three days, almost 54 inches of rain and everything we had had to be taken away, had to be thrown away. It was no good anymore. 43 years of marriage was put on the street like weekly trash. But can I give y'all some good news here? Whenever God allows something to be taken, he's got something better. Are y'all with me? Can I tell you what sister girl is so happy about? Now she boasts in the fact that she got all new stuff. And FEMA didn't do it, but I know a name. <laughs> Are y'all with me here today? She heard. She was motivated by what she heard. And then it was what she heard in verse 27b. It was what she did. Text says she came in the press. She came in the crowd. Now, sister girl is breaking all kind of rules. She's not supposed to be in public. She's certainly not supposed to be around a crowd and touching folk, but she's in the crowd in a press of folk and pressing her way because she has a focus in mind. Are y'all with me? One translation says she, she came to touch the hem of this garment, and the hem of the garment is not the lower edge of the robe, but actually it was the sash of the cord that kept the garment together, which was five-layered, which represented the law, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and those who wore it were keepers of the law. So actually the woman wasn't reaching, she wasn't reaching for a garment, she was really reaching out to the word. She came in the press. She had to work her way in. I'm sure she thought that she had to do this in such a way that it must not be must, must not be boisterous or disrupting, but I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to touch him. Can I help y'all here? Coming to church is no guarantee 
that you have a seat in the kingdom. And sitting in the driveway does not make you a Cadillac. You have to press your way to his presence, his power. Are you with me? She, what she heard, what she did, verse 28 is what she said. She said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be. I would say that you need to say ashes over your ashes. Stop saying what you can't do. Affirm what you can do. She knew where her healing was. So she didn't allow a doctor's report, a bad examination, stop her from getting to the place where healing would come. Her frustration over her condition, her motivation for change. Verses 29 through 33, we see her inspiration about her cure. Verse 29, she touched him, and the text said, and straightway. We don't talk like that anymore. It, that was an immediacy. That was, I don't know how fast that is, but when she touched him, she was whole. Somewhere between the touch and the removal, something happened. Are y'all with me? Her condition was moved. Verse 30 tells me a connection was made. Because Jesus says that, that he turned around and said, knowing that virtue had left him and hold it. He is not saying he lost anything. But what he is saying is that the woman connected to something. It was not a power loss. It was a power surge. Are y'all with me? Did y'all get that? That will be worth a shout right there. You will never exhaust him. He's got all power in his hands. And she connected with something. Verse 31, a complication was magnified. In the midst of a crowd, a press, a bunch of folk, Jesus asked the question, who touched me? And the disciples, can I translate what they said? You got to be kidding me. <laughs> Are you for real? Do you see this press of folk? Are you with me now? Is that they, they, couldn't, they couldn't understand what Jesus had perceived. The truth is, if it were up to the woman, she would have eased up, got what she wanted by faith, and would have slipped 
back into anonymity. No one would have ever known who she was, but Jesus had to put her on blast. Verse 32, her conviction was marked because the text said he looked and he saw her. Are y'all with me? And you know, be, all the rules you got on, the hair you bought, and <laughs> all that stuff that covers, the real truth is God sees beyond all of that. He sees us from the inside out. Are y'all with me? And when he saw her, you hear me? Verse 33, a confession was mouthed. Text says, with fear and trembling, she fell before him and she told him everything. If thou shalt confess, <laughs> are y'all with me? You know, you got, there's some things you got to tell him. And the truth is, songwriter said, there's some things you better only tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. When you can't talk to anybody else, you can have a little talk with him. A frustration over her condition. We see her motivation for change. We see her inspiration about her cure. Finally, there is her confirmation from Christ. Verse 34, text says that when she showed up, she was a woman with an issue. But now she's going home. She's a daughter. <laughs> Come here, let me walk you to the bus. She's a woman. Are you with me with an issue? She, she's just a somebody with an issue. But she leaves a daughter with distinction. Jesus did more than heal her sickness. He healed her soul. <laughs> Are y'all with me now? She now has distinction because she's been delivered. Thy faith has made thee whole. Let me go back to the big 12. Remember, James Brown had said, we're going to win the game. And the news sports media ripped him up and down. But let me fast forward. On the day of the game, Texas is leading Nebraska 30 to 27. It is the fourth quarter. There are two minutes and 32 seconds left in the game. 
Texas has the ball fourth and inches on their own 29-yard line. So, all of you quarterbacks who are not watching the Cowboys, what does conventional wisdom say when you have fourth and inches on your own 29-yard line? You would do what the Cowboys would do. You would punt. I'm sorry. Is <laughs> the check made. <laughs> you would punt the ball. That's conventional wisdom. But Brent Musburger and Dick Vermeil, who were ABC commentators, said that Texas has the chance to win the ball game. All they got to do is just give it to this big quarterback. They can get two inches. That's conventional thinking, positive thinking to win the game. And when they came up fourth and inches, Nebraska had put so much beef on the line that you couldn't squeeze a breath of air through the line. They were ready to stop Texas from getting one inch from a quarterback sneak. But they didn't know that James Brown had been given instructions by his coach, John Malkovich, that he has an option. And the option, here it is, think like you're giving the ball to Priest Holmes. And then you roll out, you can run for first down. That's option two. But what happened was, is that when they hiked the ball and Nebraska had clogged up the line, James Brown rolled back and he was open like sunshine on a cloudy day. He could have run for the first down, but he saw Derrick Lewis who had faked a block and eased out to the left and threw the ball. An old boy ran till he got to the 10-yard line. Y'all ain't feeling me. Priest Holmes got the deciding touchdown. Final score, Texas 37. Nebraska, number three. 33 victories straight. They lost the game. They put the same commentators who had ripped up James Brown. They were doing the interview eating a whole lot of cheese. And they asked him the question. They said, how did you know you were going to win the game? James Brown said these words, we didn't come to lose. I, 
I'm talking to somebody tonight. You have options. <laughs> you can exercise those options. You don't, you don't have to do what's normal. You don't, you don't have to do what's planned. You can step outside of the leash of limitation and, and, and excel and do great because God has given you option. Option number one, greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. Option number two, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthened me. Are y'all with You have options. If God be for us, This woman is a testimony that says to us, don't care how bad life is, you have options. If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you have an option. Thou shalt be saved. The book says salvation is near, nigh unto him who called upon him. If you're here tonight, pastor has asked me to give that clarion call. If there is one that said, pastor, I'm at that place. I've been there. Where you're at this leash of limitation. Everything that would go wrong has gone wrong. And the system has written you off. You have an option. If you come unto him, he will receive you. That's for the unsaved, but for the saint that's struggling, it's been a silent struggle. You dare not tell anybody what your bloody issue is but you've been struggling with it. But tonight you're convinced that you're tired of being sick and tired. And you won't change for your life. You, you have an option. Are y'all with me? And if you come unto him, he will in no wise cast you out. There's a hymn that we that song every now and then, softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. See on the portal, he's waiting and watching. Watching for you. And what is he saying to you? Come home. The prodigal son, that's what he did. When he got sick and tired of being sick and tired, can't go nowhere else, I'm going home. And he, I will say to my father, I have sinned. Are y'all with me? And the father loved him past all of his faults. And I wish the church would sing with great affirmation, amazing grace, shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my liberty. If you're here tonight, say, Pastor, I'm tired of the struggle. I'm ready to let my bloody flow go.
if you're here tonight, would you come unto him? going to ask you whatever God's laid on your heart, whether to come to this altar, you need to make a decision public, make it right now. I want to tell you, folks, this is why we do this. This invitation time right now is the most important time of the service. If we're not going to have this, there's no reason to even preach the gospel. This, this is for you and for me. Would you come? Would you Stand with us. Wisdom lead us. Come on. Christian, would you lead the way? Are there some Christians in here that would come and kneel at this altar and pray for folks? Maybe you're all right. Maybe you don't have a struggle, but you know somebody that does. Would you come pray this this evening? They continue to sing. If God's speaking to you, come on, step out. Not going to linger a long time. You got options tonight. What are you going to do with them?
You get tired now, 